started out this month sick. Uh, Lord, who is that fellow? Uh, we started out this month sick. Uh, we've faced several adversities. But guess what? God's still in charge. And so he's overcome them all. And I believe his will and his way has been brought to pass because everything that I have heard preached has put together what the Holy Ghost has led us into tonight. I, again, to the church, to Holy Cross, to Second Chance, Welcome Valley, if there's any of them here. It just does my heart good to know that they've not all bowed down. And we're for you. As a matter of fact, we're so much for you that uh, some of the fellows was talking yesterday and if y'all were by, we was over on passing out tracks and serving food to a bunch of the scariest looking people I've ever seen in my life. Uh, but uh, I told them, I said, we're in the right place. These people need a track. Amen. But uh, we, we was, we just, and some of the fellows said, would you know, said, we got all these cooking and this catering trailer and all and we ought to get and just have a multi-church fish fry or or, or something, amen. And uh, you know, and uh, honestly, we, our folks volunteer to, uh, we volunteer to cook and, and we'll volunteer Josh to catch fish. Josh and Peabody, they can catch fish. Now, I, <laughs> How many of you, let me ask you another question. How many of you likes salt and pepper fried catfish? Well, that's pretty much all of us. And if you don't like salt and pepper catfish, we have something else. We'll have something else around that you can eat. What I would like to do, and I, I believe this is the Lord. I'm the most forgetful fellow you've ever seen, and I'm, I'm going up on having cataract surgery here the first of November, so I can't hardly see you. You're kind of in fog. and But at the same time, I'd like for us to have a multi-church fellowship and do you like you do if you go to a professional uh, thing and they'll put a name tag on you so we can get on a first-name basis with each other, with each other, and uh, just enjoy the fellowship of the saints. I, if you want to preach, that's fine. But not come together for preaching, but come together to love one another and the fellowship and to realize that, hey, if I meet somebody out somewhere, they're for me. Amen. So you pray, and all you pastors, if you're for that, we'll, we'll pray and we'll try our very best to put it together. Uh, honestly, I, I, before we ever say it, we can be assured that it's going to be raining or something's going to happen. It might snow knee deep. You never know. But uh, the devil, and why? The devil don't want that. He don't want that. But whatever we got to dodge or whatever we got to do, we'll do it. We'll do it. Amen? And, and uh, so we're, we're looking forward to uh, trying to put something together like that. Now, some of you folks, now let me explain this ahead of time. I told you already I had to have cataract surgery. I got the book laying right here. And uh, I never get out of the book. But then I go on my computer and I print it in a bigger letter so that I don't mess up what God said. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and so you'll see me thumbing pages up here. But what the Lord's laid on our heart, and I, and I believe it's exactly where the church needs to be today. Number one, this preacher's standing up here feeling like the least among you. I believe that when I look out over this congregation that this is the elite forces of God. But at the same time I say that, I also believe that the greatest problem that God's church faces today is they're not God's church at all. They're sitting in pews. They believe they're okay. As a matter of fact, they are totally convinced they're okay. Let me give you a little word of explanation to that. I was 28 years old, son of a preacher, got, made a profession of faith at 14 years old. My dad done his best to raise me right. We lived in the Bible Belt, amen. He, our house went by the Bible, and he had a belt to back it up. Amen. That's just, uh, 
So, you know, I'm, I'm talking about, he did his best to raise me right, but shamefully I rebelled against everything uh, basically that I was ever told or, or tried to be trained. I had a praying mother that just wouldn't let me get away. She just kept screaming and hollering when I'd come wallowing in and she'd be on her knees in the middle of the night. God, don't let the devil kill him, but please save him. And, uh, but here's the thing. I, I went from age 14 because I bowed down at an old-fashioned altar in a Baptist church with a Baptist deacon beside of me praying, sincere man of God. Told me the right things. Asked me that I believe. Uh, basically carried me down the Roman road. I told him the right answers at 14. I told him the exact right answers. When I got to the end, he said, well, said, do you believe God saved you? Well, according to what he told me, I did. Amen. But there was no change in my life. About two weeks later, they carried me down, actually, below Mount Pleasant Church and the Fisher River down there, they baptized under the bridge. And they, they carried me out to the old bridge there and they took me down there and they, they took me in a dry center and I come out of wet center. But here's the danger. For the remainder between 14 years old and 28 years old, you could not have convinced me that I was not okay. I thoroughly believe I was okay. I didn't, I believed I was okay because I'd followed a formula. I had went through the motions. I had said the right things. And listen, folks, I, I'm not trying to convince anybody to doubt their salvation. If you're saved, as Brother Greg says, you're eternally saved. But there are indicators as far as salvation is concerned and there's an enemy of the church today called easy believism and modern evangelism with no conviction power of the Holy Ghost that convinces people through psychological means to come to an old-fashioned altar and they go away deceived and they fill our churches full of goats instead of sheep. And it gets to the point, uh, I was just teaching the letters to the churches in Revelation, and it gets to the point, Brother Butch said in the prayer room, and I said, be careful, you'll be on the message, but it gets to the point to where the church is sitting full, and they're saying, I'm rich and increased with goods, and I have need of nothing when they're wretched and poor and blind and naked. And they're not real. They're not real. Well, let me give just a few pointers. It takes longer to set this up than it does to preach it. But let me give you just a few pointers tonight when it comes to the Holy Ghost ministry and the life of a born-again believer. At 28 years old, feeling like I was okay, I run into a fella at the back of a country music concert. He was in a place he shouldn't have been in. And of course, I stayed in places I shouldn't have been in. But he handed me a track. I said, get on out of here, I'm all right. He looked at me and he come at me with the word of God. He said, you're all right. He said, the Bible said, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Where's your treasure? Where's your treasure? He said, you're all right. He said, who's first in your life? Who are you seeking first? The Lord Jesus Christ, the preeminent King of kings and Lord of lords, will not take second place. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. I walked away. He had me on the run. And that was unusual. Because usually I was combative, really. I walked away on the run. 
I started to get on the old bus at night, and I felt a, somebody tap me on the shoulder. I don't know this man today. I don't know who he was. But he tapped me on the shoulder, and I turned around to look at him for one last time, and I looked at him with tears in his eyes. And he said, I love you, man. I don't want to see you go to hell. I got on the bus that night and I made fun of him. I told all the boys in the band, I said, look here, I've run into one of them kind, one of them crazy people out there. A man just told me he loved me. And of course, we all had a big laugh over that. It's not unusual today, by the way. <laughs> Amen. But we had a big laugh over that. I couldn't get away from it. In my mind, I was all right. But that man had told me things that showed that you weren't my problem. I was my problem. I was the problem. I got under such hard Holy Ghost conviction that I just simply born couldn't go any farther. I believe with all of my heart that if I'd have drove one more step, if my wheels had turned one more turn, I believe I'd have died and went to hell. But I pulled over on the side of the road in a drizzling rain because I couldn't stand it no longer. And I rolled out to, to the side of an old tree, a poplar tree, a big one. And I crawled up beside of that tree and I said, God, everything I am is a mess. It's a joke. It ain't real. Everything that I've ever done in my life it looks like a tornado that had run through some spindly pines. And it, your life don't have to be in shambles in order for you to be lost. But I'm talking about, I believe mine was because I'd rebelled against the word of God and against godly parents. And I sat down and I said, God, everything I've ever done is all yours. If there's anything left, you take it. I'm tired of it. I don't want it anymore. I asked Kendall a couple of weeks ago, I said, when this service is over tonight with the pastor's permission, I want you to come and pray. I surrender all because, and sing it because I believe that's the definition of true salvation. I believe people who are broken by the Holy Ghost of God, then they're willing to give up. I went back to my home church. Now listen closely. Here's the gist. And some of them may listen to this and I love them all and praise God for them. I went back to my home church and I told them, I said, I just got saved. They said, you didn't get saved. I said, what do you mean? They said, you just backslid. Well, folks, they were so convinced that I was backslid that I really had to settle that thing with the Lord. Because it was in my mind. I'm going, Lord, what's happened? Something, something's different about me. Something's happened. I'm not in charge anymore. It's not me. I've heard people, I've heard countless testimonies in my life of people say, I got saved at a young age, but I went back out. Listen to me, folks. Did you really go back out? Have you ever considered whether or not you really went back out? Because if you really got saved, when you went back out, you took the Holy Ghost with you. Amen. And the Holy Ghost just won't go anywhere. Some of you say you went when you went back out. Amen. Amen. He's got a way of convincing his people of their sins. Now some of our scripture tonight, and I'll try to get into it, but here's what we're dealing with, folks. We're dealing with a church that is in the Laodicean age. We're not part of it. If you're saved by grace, you're the Philadelphia church. But if you're not saved by grace and you think you're okay, you're Laodicea. And you know what the Bible says about the Laodicean church? Revelation chapter 14, 3 verse 14, or chapter 3 verse 14. And to the angel of the church at Laodicea write, these things saith the amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. 
I know thy works. Thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. I believe you won't be doing a disservice to the word of God if you said that God just, Jesus just said to this church, I just want you to be saved or lost. I don't want you fence straddling. So then because thou art lukewarm, listen now, lukewarm. I will spew you out of my mouth. Spew thee out of my mouth. Just because you're lukewarm. Now let me ask you a question tonight. Are you red hot? Are you hot? You know, how many remember? We sung the song and, oh, I love it. And I, I love singing with y'all. And I remember the day. I'll never get over what God did for me that day. But folks, you know, and I'm not unusual because when God saved me, he saved the hard-headedest. I'm telling you, when, when I get to heaven, I believe God's going to wipe his forehead and go, thank God. <laughs> Amen. I give him more, a harder time than any person on the face of this earth. Argue with him? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He and I have a, a few talk. He always wins. But I always voice it. Folks, I'm talking about if he can do for me what he did for me, then I'm convinced he can do it for you. I'm convinced there's not a person in this building that's went too far that has to worry about living a Christian life because you've never given the life you now live to Jesus. And if you'd give the life you now live to Jesus, you'd be a new creature. You'd be a different person. But you want to hang on to a little here and hang on to a little there. And you want to walk away and still do your thing and yet have the assurance that you'll go to heaven. Our churches, and when I say that, I'm not talking about the bride of Christ. I'm talking about the ecclesia, the assembly, if you will. Our assemblies, for the most part, are dead in a doornail. And they're dead in a doornail because they're outnumbered by goats. And a lot of time goats are standing behind this pulpit that wouldn't recognize the Holy Ghost if it hit them in the face. That's where we are. That's where we are. John chapter 16 John chapter 16, when he began to introduce to us the Holy Spirit, that the Comforter was coming, he began to tell his disciples. First of all, he said in John chapter 14, you can check me up on this. He said in John chapter 14, he said that they will come when I won't be with you. But nevertheless, I'm going to send you a Comforter, and that Comforter is going to be with you and he will be in you. He will be in you. Do you know why we baptize today? Following Jesus? Yes, sir. But we baptize today. We're Baptists because that's an indication that you died out to self, and you were born again, hallelujah, in the newness of life by the power of the Holy Ghost. It's not a self-reformation. It's not a social club. It's not some place we can go just to feel good about ourselves when we know we're worse than a piece of dirt. It's a place, praise God, to where God wants the gospel priest and he wants to anoint the word of God and bring forth faith and convince men how to be more like Jesus than they've ever been convince men. John chapter 16, verse 1. These things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogue, yea, and time cometh. Whosoever killeth you thinketh he doeth God a service. 
And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father. Now, I, I want you to know they have not known the Father. How easy is it to offend a church member today? How easy? Just don't show, if you're a pastor, just don't show up at little Johnny's birthday party. Amen. Yeah. Or tell somebody they got their feelings on their sleeve. Amen. That's where we are today. And yet these people want the power of God. And they'll come in and they'll sing songs and oh, they got some beautiful voices. We got beautiful groups that run around professionally and sing and if you're not careful when they open the door on the bus, a beer can will roll out. Amen. Amen. We asked the gospel group one time to come down and sing for us when we had a school. Would they mind doing a benefit singing? They said, yeah, we'll be down. We can do a benefit singing for you. I said, well, thank you. And they told me what they'd come for. I said, never mind, I'll just get Vince Gill. Amen. Amen. I'm talking about folks, we got to be real with God. Real. And the worst thing about it is your salvation and where you spend eternity hinges on you being honest with God who knows where you are and what you are right now. Continuing on in John 16, verse 7, he said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's expedient. It's necessary. I've got to do this. For you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come. But if I depart, I'll send him unto you. Now listen to this. The words of the Lord. And when he's come, he will reprove the world of sin. Reprove the world of sin. If you come to the altar, solid rock, second chance, holy cross, and you profess Christ as your Savior, and the Holy Ghost takes up his abode in you, you don't need the pastor to tell you what's right and what's wrong. You got somebody in you that'll never leave you nor forsake you. God cannot deal, God cannot stand sin. It cost him his only begotten son. God hates sin. And there are people today that got out this doctrine, they'll talk about, well, it may be a sin for you, but it ain't a sin for me. Same Holy Ghost. Amen. Same Holy Ghost. Same destination. If you're saved by grace through faith, Romans chapter 8 tell me you're predestined to be, the, to be conformed to the image of God's Son. That means that whether you like it or don't like it, some of you is going to be like me one day. Oh, I know that's kind of tough to take. Amen. But we're going to get to be more and more alike as God works on us. We're not going to get to be more and more apart and establish more and more churches. We're not going to get to work harder and harder to find a place that'll tell us what we want to hear. We're going to get more and more like Jesus. And inevitably that brings us together. Let me say this thing. The ministry of the Holy Ghost and salvation, if you truly got saved, you can't get saved any time you want to get saved. Amen. People say, well, I just called on the Lord. Have you ever noticed, has anybody in here ever heard of anybody dying and, and the preacher get up and said, they went to hell, let's go on. But you know in the majority of the cases, that's true. That's true. Now, honestly, I am not callous and mean enough to do that at a funeral. But I won't preach them in either place. Heaven nor hell. Why? Because that's up to the Holy Ghost. 
If he's in them, praise God. God was with them when they left this world. And he was with them as they come through this world. The ministry of the Holy Ghost convicts a person of their sin. Because the Bible didn't say here he will show the church or reprove the church of his sin. He said he'd reprove the world of his sin. These people out here that are living in abomination to God and say they were born that way, that's a lie. And what they've done is they've spurned what the Holy Ghost has told them and they've rejected it until they're reprobate. But that's not unusual because they've seen so much of it in the church. So much in the church. I'll reprove the world of sin. Any salvation that didn't deal with a sin question that you're dependent on was not of God. You say, well, you sinless, perfect preacher? No. But when I got up off my knees some 40 years ago, 42 years ago, when I got up off my knees, you didn't have to tell me what was wrong. No more. The Holy Ghost of God. Oh, it's been many a time we, I love to hunt and I love to fish, but we'll get to joking, Carol, we pick unmercifully and I'm the lip ring leader. But sometimes I'll cross the line. Sometimes I'll get a little carried away. And the person don't look at me and say, well, I defended, but they don't have to do that. I got a still small voice inside of me and say, son, you just crossed over the line. You just crossed the line. Now you can listen to that and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Or you can say, well, no, I didn't, and he'll whoop you. Amen. I chasten those I love. Amen. I mean, that's the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost won't turn you loose. If I didn't believe, if I believed the Holy Ghost would turn you loose to do what you will, I wouldn't believe in eternal salvation. Because none of us can keep ourselves. None of us are good enough. But he, praise God, is guiding the way and leading our footsteps to sinless perfection. No, but step by step by step, the Christian life is not like this. The Christian life is like this. Until one day he calls you on. Amen. That's the Christian life. Why? Because you're under the leadership of God himself. God the Holy Ghost is directing your path and he's leading you. That causes, when he has come, he'll reprove the world of sin. You know you can't, in the average church, and you'll be surprised. I mean, I know I'm preaching to the choir. I know that. I love you folks aside. But listen, folks, the average church can't define sin. If you went through the church and you said, well, is it okay to drink? Is anybody here thinks it is? Think about it. Think about it. If we went through the church and we said, well, it's okay to gamble, is anybody in here thinks it is? Think. And we hadn't got better or closer to God. But we got the same Holy Ghost. Something is not right. The definition of sin should be universal. If it's wrong for me, if it's ever been wrong for me, with a Holy Ghost in me, it's wrong for you. That's how simple it is. And somebody said, well, I got liberty. You don't have liberty to sin. And if God said it was a sin to me and he didn't tell you it was a sin, then he's not just. Amen. But the church won't deal with those truths. We'll bring them and we'll hear of services. And I was a part of the First Burleson Revival and I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost was on those grounds. I got out of my car, I went down there as a skeptic, got out of my car and my hair stood up, amen. Yeah, 
Literally, I was sitting there one night and I seen a jogger come by. As far as I know, they hadn't heard nobody preach that night. But that jogger come crawling by me, a lady, in a jogging suit, and she come crawl by me in the chips, and she says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Just come jogging by. Why? Because there was power there. Why are we not seeing that? Continual. Why are we not seeing that in our own lives? We've made exceptions. We've either rebelled and refused God or we didn't have him to begin with. That's how simple it is. Have you created a place for you to be in the middle and lukewarm in your life? Religion has. Religion has taught you if you'll come in and tithe and lift the preacher up and help us build bigger and better buildings, then you okay. You're spot on. You're okay. Listen closely to what I'm about to say. There's nothing wrong with the Roman road. Certainly you need to confess Christ as your Savior. You need to confess with your mouth. But don't ever overlook that part that is the part of the Holy Ghost. With a heart, man believeth unto righteousness. Don't, don't overlook that. Because if you got up off your knees and you're not changed, if you got up over, off your knees and you don't have a different idea about what sin is and what sin's done to you, you didn't get it. And I don't care how much true Bible you were read. I don't care what kind of form prayer you prayed. If it didn't change your life, what good was it? Why do you need it to begin with? Amen. We're playing games with a righteous God, and we don't need to be. Do you know there's no such thing as one preacher preaching something as a sin and another preacher thinking it's okay? One or both of them is wrong. Amen. That's the way it works. Why? Because it's just one Holy Ghost and it's just one truth. One truth. And the only reason we'll do things, and I'm talking about we do things, the only reason people that does it and accept it is because they're dabbling in it. A fellow told me one time, and of course, the reason I'm a pro at that is because alcohol had me by the throat before God saved me. And I've seen so many people in the church try to justify it. And you know they use the same scriptures that I used to use being raised in a preacher's house. A little wine for the stomach's sake. Yeah. Amen. Same scripture I used before I got saved. Let me tell you what, folks. When the Holy Ghost of God moved in me, he made me a priest. A high, he made me a priest, praise God. He made me a prince and a priest, a royal priesthood. And if you'll read the book of Revelations, you'll find chapter 1, verse 16, you'll find that God made you a priest. I'm badly fooled if my Bible don't say wine is not for princes. Wine is not for kings. And wine is not for priests. Amen. But some folks say it's okay. What's wrong with that? Either they don't have the Holy Ghost or they're rebelling against God. And if they're rebelling against God and they're a child of the king, you don't have to worry about taking care of that. God will take care of that. Amen. It's not me they're going to have to answer to. They'll answer to him. And he's quick, quick. He likes for us to say, I'm sorry. And he loves to forgive us and welcome us in. But you just try rebelling against him. See how far you get with that. Can a Christian do anything? I never say what a Christian can and cannot do. We're still in mortal bodies. What I do say emphatically is what a Christian can and cannot get away with. Amen. Now praise God. We might be foolish enough to do some catastrophic things. But I hope and pray we're not foolish enough to thank God the Holy Ghost is going to let us slide. 
If it put Jesus on the cross, sin, it's, you're not going to get away with it. And neither am I. If the Holy Ghost didn't draw you because of the life you lived and were living. Now what is drawing power of the Holy Ghost? Let's, let's explain that. People argue over repentance. But repentance means closing the gap between you and God. That's what repentance is. It don't mean that you were instantly sanctified. It means, praise God, you turned around and started the right direction. You started closing the gap between you and God. You know what you do when you come under conviction and come to an old-fashioned altar? You know what you're doing? You're coming to God. That's repentance. Hallelujah. You're coming saying, God, I'm sorry for being the mess that I am. I'm sorry for the life I've lived. I'm sorry for trying to fool you, God. I'm coming to deal with this corrupt life that I've lived. Because, God, I've heard the preacher say, you was all I needed. I had a young man at my brother's wake in Florida, he was probably in his early 30s. He'd come forward at a funeral and he had been in a drug addiction program. And he said, preacher, let me get this straight. Did, if I heard you right, you said that Jesus was all I needed. I said, son, you heard me exactly right. That's the truth. Jesus is all you need, but you better make sure you get him. You don't want religion. Religion damns. And the worst thing that I think that could possibly happen to man is to go right off a church pew believing you're all right and wind up in a devil's hell. Lift up your eyes in a devil's hell. And how do you do that? You just wasn't real with God. You thought, oh, God, let me, listen. I can't describe the unfathomable love of God. But God's not near as fond of sinners as preachers preach he is. If he was, he'd take John 3.36 out of the Bible. Because it says the wrath of God dwells on them. Amen. You can actually go back to the Old Testament if you want to, and I won't do it, but you can find many places where God says he hates the wicked. You think you're the exception? Folks, sinners out here today living any old way, looking for God to prove how much he loves them after Calvary, is one of the most foolish things and foolish doctrines that ever come into the church. What else can God give than everything heaven had to offer to prove that he loved you? You asking for more? After Calvary, oh, are you asking for more? In so doing, the Bible tells me you've trodden underfoot the Son of God and counted the blood of his covenant the unholy thing. You're sitting in the middle of the fence. You're going to be spewed out of the mouth of God and your flesh has told you you're all right. You're not all right unless you're red hot. Unless you're red hot, when the trumpet sounds, guess who's leaving here? Those who are hot. Those who are hot. They're leaving here. Those who are looking. You know, modern religion don't prepare you to live for God. Modern religion prepares you for this world down there. They want you to have a big, there's nothing wrong with having a boat. I got one myself. You folks know that. I'm not doing I just use things that apply to me so you don't get offended, amen. There's nothing wrong with having a boat, but how come we need bigger and better ones? There's nothing wrong with having a car, but how come we need bigger and better ones? When there's so much needs in the world, Brother Butch talked about Israel tonight. Folks, in case you hadn't looked lately, this world's in a fog, in turmoil. If the Lord Jesus come tonight before this service is over, it wouldn't surprise me at all. And if you're sitting in my, under the sound of my voice tonight and you've been playing games with God, you ain't going. Amen. 
from this great church, from Solid Rock, from Second Chance. You can't play with God and make it to heaven. He convicts the world of sin. I'm glad he don't stop there. The Bible says, and of righteousness. How many can remember the day? And I was raised in a preacher's home. I've heard a lot of things. As a matter of fact, I'll go ahead and make this confession. and hope it don't make any of you mad. Before, the Holy, before God, the Holy Ghost could teach me anything about the Scripture, I had to forget everything the Baptist had ever told me. I had to empty it out. Really, empty it out. Now, I'm a Baptist. Yes, sir. And I'm not ashamed of being a Baptist. That's not a denomination, by the way. Amen. No, sir, that's a physical act. That's baptizing. Preacher Harold Parker used to say, he said, well, I'm going to be thankful one day when I get to heaven and everybody shows up, finds out they're a Baptist when they didn't believe it to begin with. How about that? But why are you a Baptist? We believe in baptizing. Amen. By immersion, not sprinkling, not dipping. We believe in baptizing. That makes me a Baptist. Folks, it's not a form or a fashion. When I got up off my knees, God the Holy Ghost started showing me how to live right. He started doing things through me that I'd be walking along and I'd go, man, that ain't like me. That ain't what I always done. I, I remember one day I was passing out tracks at a certain town and, and I went through and there was an old drunk sitting there. He was sitting on the porch. I assume it was his house. I don't know where it was his house or as far as it could get. But he was sitting on the porch with his head hung down, beer cans lined up all the way across through here. And I'm going up the sidewalk in front of him and I'm passing out tracks, telling people about Jesus. I made about two steps past him. Preacher wasn't there. Nobody was there. But God the Holy Ghost said you go to him. You get over and talk to him. Now that ain't like me. Praise God. Folks, I like winning. Amen. I hope you do. I, I despise losing. I, I tell you that right now. Uh, honest goodness, we're playing ball. I ain't playing ball for fun. <laughs> I plan to beat you. If we fishing, I plan to catch the biggest one. That's, just, that's who God made me. I can't help it. And he's used it. He's used it. How many of us in here wants to lose? How come we play with the salvation? How come we play with who we are and what we are? How come we just set the most important decision we've ever made in our life and we're settled for something we said in our mouth instead of leaning on what God done? You know God the Holy Ghost. Salvation is a funny thing. It's all of God. It's provided by God. It was finished by God. The faith was given by God. Uh, what you have is by God. What I have was by God. It had nothing to do with me. All I had to do was decide if I wanted him. Amen. If I wanted him. But I can't be frivolous with that decision. I can't be flippant with that decision. You can come forward and you say, well, I don't want to miss hell. That ain't good enough. Amen. Amen. Because God the Holy Ghost, he might show you that you won't miss hell, but he didn't show you you won't live like hell and miss hell. Amen. He didn't do that. Folks, in our world today, our church world, we got the church that are compromising. Please don't take offense at what I say because it's got to get close to the cuff or you won't apply it. But we got... Far more emphasis on sports and ball. We got far more interest on recreation than we have getting to the house of God. And there's, not, there's, no, there's no limit to parents who will go and take Junior and Jane to the ball game and let them stay out of church because of it and think nothing about it. You sat down with me sometime and tried to convince me that the Holy Ghost told you that was okay. 
Amen. You sit down and tell me that I'm supposed to be in this ball game instead of be at church. Try to tell me the Holy Ghost told you that. Think about it. That's, how, that's what kind of games we play. Games we play. And they don't play them in the world. The world is blind and, and in a dismal shape today and going to hell in a run because the church has showed them how to do and thought they were okay. Thought they were okay. The Bible says of righteousness because I go to my father. I wonder why he said that. It meant that when Jesus was here, he was showing the disciples how to live. He was. But when he went to the Father, they didn't have no more example they could look at. But he said there's one to come and he'll guide you. He'll guide you. He'll show you what's right. Why? Because he's God. He'll show you what's right. There are people today, you tell somebody the truth and they say, that's not right. Or the favorite words, you tell somebody the truth. You're judging me. Bible said to the church, know you not that you shall judge angels? Can you not judge the smallest matter? Do you know that all God has to reflect his righteousness to a lost and undone world are the people who truly are indwelt by the Holy Ghost? If we're not showing them how to live, they have no pattern. They have nowhere to look. Is that not apparent what kind of pattern we've been showing today? Amen. I had a conversation with a person who sexual orientation was mixed up, but he was honest enough to talk to me intelligently. But you know what this fellow said to me? He said, I was born this way, and, and, and you Baptists need to just come out of that archaic Old Testament scripture and come up, wake up to the real world, my pastor tells me. My pastor tells me that I am saved. I'm okay. I don't care what you've heard from a false prophet. I don't care what you've heard from a good prophet. If it don't line up with a book, it's a lie. And if you base your eternity on a lie, you're in deep trouble. Deep trouble. Your preacher gets up here and he's going to say some hard things to you. I know your pastors. No, Brother Terry. Terry Terry's a prince of pre preachers, but is too. Marty is. These young preachers, you're growing up in good feet. I praise the Lord for that. But they're not going to tell you things you won't hear. They're going to tell you things that patterns after righteousness. Why? Because the Holy Ghost in them is leading them to show you and tell you how to live right. That's how simple it is. That's the ministry of the Holy Ghost. And then of judgment. <laughs> of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. People out there today, <laughs> I, I've got to where I answer people this way, and I guess you think it's comical, but people say, you judge me, everybody does that. If you point out one flaw in anybody, if you point out any sin in anybody, you can have all the compassion you can must. And I don't tell you about your sin because I hate you. If you've got something in your life that's going to cost you, I don't want it to cost you. You're looking at somebody that's mule up on God and paid about every price. I'm telling you, God's had me at the woodshed. I don't want you to go. And I found out that when I tell you something like that, that people look at me and they say they're judging me. And I say, well, you know, he, he judged the devil and God's a just God. So if he judged the devil and he didn't judge us, he wouldn't be fair. Amen. Amen. Well, you ain't supposed to judge me. I'm not. The Word of God's already took care of that. It's already took care of that. 
But are we being real with it? Tonight, and I'm closing, I asked you, are you cold or are you hot? I didn't ask you if you're a member of Solid Rock or a member of Second Chase or a member of Holy Cross. I said, are you cold or are you hot? And that's what it's all about tonight. And if you can't answer that question rightfully before God, you say, well, preacher, that was a church. You know, I can prove to you by the word of God there was not a single saved person in that assembly. Not one. Why? Jesus on the outside. What did Jesus say to the church? I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Not a single saved person inside that building. You know, tonight, if the Lord were to come right now, would you go? Have you been real with God? Are you looking forward to the shout for the shout that'll take you out? Are you looking forward to hearing the name? Your name called in heaven saying, come up here there. Hallelujah. That's what the Holy Ghost will teach you to do. Look for the coming of the Lord. Butch, if you, you come and you take this invitation, Kendall, you come and play that song. This message has been all about surrendering all. If you're here as a Christian, you never thought about some of the things that you've heard. I'm willing to discuss them, but I will not back up from what the Bible says. If the Bible says it, it don't make any difference what we think. That's right. That's what it says. And so the best thing you can do is just get up out of your seat and get up here and line up with what God said. Amen. Amen. Yeah. 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 Bunch, yeah. Amen. Amen. You know, if we don't come clean with God now, he, he could be here by the time you walk out that door. You know. Amen. You know, Gary done made the statement. He said he wasn't perfect and none of us are, but we're not to use that as an excuse. You know, God knows who we are inside. And have you took a deep look at yourself? And do you really know? And, you know, confession is made unto salvation. And then he also said, confess your faults one to another that you may be healed. A lot of times when people get anointed and people pray and everything else is because they don't own up to the Lord. They don't, they don't own up to their brother and sister. You know, like Robbie did here tonight. You know, we need to come clean. Clean with God and clean with one another. You know, this man preached his heart out tonight. Brother Gary preached, and he preached the message, and man, what a message it was. Lord, give me a good spanking tonight. Amen? I, I, I needed this word. I need the word of God. And I want to tell God I'm sorry for every time I ever felt you. But I know that I'm saved tonight. And I know I'm hot tonight because he lives in me. I know that. His spirit bears witness in my life. You know, I, I went fishing the other day. Brother Gary's talking about a boat. I got a boat. Terry used to have a boat. I think he sold it. And Terry, he'd rather ride around and fish, I believe. But anyway, I, I was just out there by myself. Me and Another guy on the lake, I don't know who he was, didn't know his name, never seen him before. We come in about the same time. We was the only two boats in the parking lot. So we got to talking to one another. 
He said, what's your name? I said, Butch. He said, Butch what? I said, Butch Holder. He looked at me, and I've never seen this man ever. He said, Preacher, right? I said, yeah. Then we got to talking about the Lord and how God had blessed us. You know, wherever you go, you need to leave an imprint of Jesus. You know, does people know you for, for Christ that's in you? When they look at you, do they see Christ in you? Are you walking in His ways or are you walking in your ways today? As simple as that. I'm not here to do my will. I'm here to do my Father's will. Brother Gary didn't come to do his will tonight. He came to do the Father's will. Just come on up here. God's dealing with your heart. You don't afraid. You see a need to come clean. Come on and come clean. Preacher, I'm sort of ashamed to come up there. Well, Lord said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. Don't be ashamed. We all need to pray. We all need to repent. Talk to the Lord about your situation. How does your life line up with God? I've seen a lot of people saved. I've seen a lot of people come clean with God this past two months. I've seen God working. I told Brother Gary when he came, I looked at his tie, I said, I like your tie. I said, that's the way it is. It's either black or white. There's no in-between. You preached on straddling the fence tonight. God said, I'll spew you out of my mouth. That's the very word that you repeated because it comes out of God's word. Amen. He says, I'd rather for you to be hot or cold than to be lukewarm. Are you hot tonight or are you cold tonight? You ain't going to have to stand and give near the count for being cold that you will be in lukewarm. Amen. So God says, you either love me or you hate me. He said, you choose the side that you're on. But he said, don't straddle the fence. If you're straddling the fence... God said, I'm going to spew you out. And that's one of the worst things you can do is act like you live for God and then live like the devil. You know, you're either saved or you're lost. You're either born again or you're dead. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. He said, how can I go back to my mother's womb? He said, that's not the birth. And we all know what it is got to be born of God. you got to be born of the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit, Brother Gary preached on it all night, if the Holy Spirit is not bearing witness in your life, you don't have it. It's got to be in your heart. It's got to be in your life. It's got to be in your head. It's got to be in your feet and in your speech and everything else in your life. It's all Him. We got to be led by him. Brother, I preached in the book of Timothy this morning, and you basically hit on basically all the things our message just went right along together. Of course, they always do. God always backs up his word. And let me tell you something else. God comes first, but who comes second? The family. Because if you ain't doing it at home, you can't come to church and do it. You can't come to church and do it. Praise God, it's got to line up at home like it does at church. If it don't line up at home the way it does here at church, then you're on the wrong path. Ain't that the Word of God? Don't that what the Word of God teaches us? It starts in the home. It's got to start in the home. The Bible said bring a child up in the right way and they won't be in the, in the, in the, in the situations that they're in today. They won't be out here lost and on their way to hell. God says if they bring them up in the house of the Lord and if they depart, the Holy Spirit of God will bring them back. Amen? That's God's Word. That's what it's all about. We've got to be obedient to the Word. We've got to be obedient unto God. Every preacher that stood these past two months has preached from the depths of her heart. That's where Jesus lives. Amen. Every one of you, Billy, Dwight, every one of you, Terry, Gary, 
authority, all of us. It's got to come from the heart. Chase, Scotty, it's got to come from the heart. Whoever you are that's, that's bringing the message, you got, it's got to come through the Holy Spirit of God. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Your walk has to be through the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit. Are you alive? You are if the Holy Spirit lives in you. Because that's what's going to take you to heaven. The Bible tells me the kingdom of God's already in me. Amen? I always said I don't have to go up. I just go in. Right there's where the Lord is. Amen? To be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. And greater, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. God bless you, brother, for bringing the word tonight. You heard the word of God. And I'm thankful that see each and every one of you that has come and prayed tonight and minded the Lord. And uh, Brother Gary, tell them what you told us in there for the preachers here.